I'll be the first to wish everybody here and those who are watching on the internet a very happy Easter. Jesus, our Lord, this night is truly risen. So if you've been joining us over the course of the past several nights, you know that our theme this year, the Triduum has been home. And what we're doing today is we're coming home on this Easter night. Thursday, we talked about the family as a home, the church as a home, where we find safety and security and peace. Yesterday, we talked about the heart, the human heart as a home, our heart for others, and of course, Christ's heart. But today, we're going to be talking about our true home, our ultimate destination, and that is heaven the Father's house. And so what, though, is the real purpose of what we've been celebrating the past several days? What's the real purpose of the Lord's incarnation and his passion, death, and resurrection? And we've heard this over and over and over again, but it's important for us to repeat it and to be able to get into our minds and into our hearts. Because of sin, the sin of humanity, we were alienated from God. The relationship with him established through grace was broken. And so, in the Lord's divine plan, the Son of God became man in order to die, to offer the sacrifice of himself to reconcile fallen humanity to God. And so, as Christ died, his sacrifice was offered to the Father. The Father accepted it as a sacrifice and the third day sent the Spirit, resurrected his son's body. And the son, cooperating in that, came to life, a new life, and an immortal body which is Spirit-filled. And so the resurrection is actually a Trinitarian event. Because of this, of course, Jesus is Lord and he is not going to die again and he has the power to pour the Spirit upon us. But he's reconciled us to the Father. He's, he's established a bond. We were justified. We have been redeemed. And now we can call his Father our Father. And so, we're going to hear in the Gospel tomorrow... John 20, verse 17, when Jesus approaches Mary Magdalene, or he sees Mary Magdalene, he says, don't touch me, because I have not yet ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. We are able to call God our Father, because through union with Jesus, through his sacrifice, we are the adopted sons and daughters of God. And we are adopted through that great gift of baptism that is so central to the feast we celebrate today. The Catechism says, the very, very first chapter, the very first paragraph, in his Son and through him, God invites men to become, in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children, and thus heirs of his blessed life. This is, this is the heart of the good news. The good news is that we are sons and daughters of God and therefore get to inherit the kingdom of heaven. We get to go home and come to know the life of the Trinity, the heart of the Father. 
And we hear this so often though. Our Father, God is our Father, but He's not some detached Father, some deadbeat Dad, or possibly even some harsh and exacting Dad. But He's a loving Father who not only loves us as He loved His Son Jesus, but He's also proud of us. He believes in us. He wants us to be with Him. He's like the father in the parable of the prodigal son, always looking out for us, always willing to welcome us, even when we are dirty and filthy in our sin. He sees any movement back to him and back to his house, and he's willing to show us his merciful love every single time and restore us to our dignity and to usher us into his house. He's there to welcome us and to embrace us. And his welcoming turns the Father's house into a home, our home. All we have to do is be willing to enter into it. And so it is through Christ's resurrected body, as I alluded to yesterday, that we are able to enter into the Father's house. Because his body entered into heaven, and the ascension, we too, And so we hope to follow Jesus when we die. Because we know the Lord has gone to heaven to do what? Yes, to sit at the right hand of his Father, but also to prepare for us. The night before he suffered and died, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. In his mansion there are many rooms. If they were not what I have told you, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. The Lord has prepared a place for each and every one of us in his Father's house, in our Father's house. It is a home. This is our ultimate destination. This is where we are going as pilgrims. It's not the tomb. The tomb which symbolizes death and destruction and sin and chaos. It's empty. You can't live there. It's not a house. It's not comfortable at all. Because the resurrection, Jesus left the tomb and he's given us great hope that death does not win, that sin and darkness does not win, and that chaos does not win. Jesus is our hope. He is the substance of our faith and he is awaiting us. He and the Father and Spirit to go back to our go-to our heavenly home. Now let's take a moment to look at scripture. We're talking a lot about the Father's house and heaven is the Father's house, and that's valid. But if you look at scripture, there are actually three things that the Father's house, or that term, tends to allude to. One in the Old Testament, the Father's house isn't so much a building, but it is like the tribe or the extended family of the patriarch. The patriarch who extends his blessing and anyone under that blessing and that tribe belongs to the house of the Father. We also know that in the New Testament, the temple is the Father's house. Whenever Mary and Joseph find Jesus in the temple, he says, did you not know that I would be in my Father's house? The physical building of the Jewish temple is the house of the Father. And then we've seen already that, of course, heaven is the Father's house, his mansion with so many rooms. The last year, 
as I was talking on this topic, and if anybody was at the Father's House Retreat, they may recognize that I'm stealing some of that. But last year I noticed that all three of those descriptions of sort of the tribe or the family with the patriarch, the temple in heaven, all describe the Father's house, yes, but they all describe Jesus. They all describe Jesus. Why? Because he is the head of the church. We are his family. We are his companions, the Haburoth we talked about on the first night. And so from that essay from the first night, Ratzinger says, companions of his pilgrimage, we constitute Christ's house. This, the church, is the new family. Thus the church is the new family. That living home which banishes the chaos and makes us an area of peace. And so Christ is sort of that patriarch. We are under his tent. We are in his home. We receive his blessing. But Jesus, of course, also describes himself. His body is the temple that we torn down and in three days will be brought back. And also, if you read Jesus of Nazareth, the first volume, Pope Benedict says that the kingdom of God is Jesus. He's heaven come down to earth. And so all three of those terms apply to Jesus Christ. And so therefore, the proper question isn't really what is the Father's house, but who is the Father's house? Jesus Christ is the Father's house. And so, yes, we are journeying to the Father's house, our heavenly home. And when we die, we have great hope that we will be there. But the truth is, Christ is our heavenly home who's come to meet us. He is heaven on earth. And so when we come to know the Lord, we come to know heaven. We come to know the Father's house, and when we know his love, we come to know the Father's love. When we know his heart, we come to know the Father's heart. And so, if indeed Jesus is the temple, he is the Father's house on earth, that means that his sacred heart, the center of his being, is the Holy of Holies. In the temple, there was the Holy of Holies, the place, the glory seat, where one could have direct contact with God. But that, 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 that Holy of Holies was covered by a veil. But when Christ died, Scripture tells us that the veil was rent in two. You were able to go in to see the tabernacle. You were able to see in the Holy of Holies. And so what happens is when Jesus' flesh was pierced, when that spear, that lance went into his side and pierced his heart, it is the veil of his flesh being torn. The Holy of Holies is exposed and we're able to enter into it. We're able to enter into Jesus' heart. We're able to enter into that gateway, the passage to the Father's house, to his home and to his heart. But if we're going to continue going deeper and examining this, this great mystery of Easter and of our salvation, we realize that Scripture tells us that our bodies are temples too. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. How is this possible? Through baptism, the sacrament that we celebrate this evening, the Easter sacrament. 
It is in baptism, yes, that we become adopted sons and daughters of God and we're able to call him Father, but we also receive through sanctifying grace the very Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit coming to dwell in our souls, coming to dwell in our hearts. And so therefore, we become living temples, homes for God. And as we said yesterday, that's why it's so crucial for us to keep our heart pure. Not only so that it can be pure for others, but most importantly, so that it can be pure for God who comes to dwell in our hearts like a tabernacle, in our bodies and souls like a temple. We're called to welcome him, to prepare a place for him. And so this should give us tremendous consolation. This belief in the indwelling Trinity through baptism in our souls because we cannot come to church. We can't come to the physical temple. We cannot receive the gift of the Eucharist. We can't at this time physically come to mass. But guess what? God dwells in your soul. Father, Son, and Spirit through grace. You are a tabernacle and you can find communion with him there. Not communion in the same way that we receive Christ in the Eucharist, but a deep, intimate, spiritual communion because the Lord dwells in your soul. It's a truth that we forget. Along with St. Therese, we learn so much from about spiritual childhood. The saint that follows right after her is St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, another French Carmelite, Carl Cloyster Carmelite in Dijon, who, while Therese focused mostly on the exterior mission of love, she focuses on the interior, particularly the teaching of the indwelling Trinity. And so many beautiful things that she wrote in her life and in her letters. And one is this beautiful prayer that she makes to the Lord. I'm going to give just sort of an excerpt. She says, make my soul your cherished dwelling place your home of rest. Let me never leave you there alone, but keep me there all absorbed in you, in living faith, adoring you. How beautiful is that? She's using all the words that we've been talking about over the course of the Triduum. Home and rest. The Lord is there in our souls, and we can adore him, particularly when we are not able to come to the church, come to the temple. Now in conclusion, not only of this homily, but of our series of reflections during the course of this triduum, in praying for it, yes, I knew that the theme should be home, but my real purpose, my ultimate end, was to try to give a message of hope in these chaotic and challenging and dark times. So many people, young and old, filled with fear and anxiety. The world's never gone through this before, to the level or to the degree that we are now. And so, we as Christians are called not to give in to fear and to give in to anxiety, as I said. We're called to hope. But what is hope? It's a word that we use a lot. It is not some sort of optimism that things in the world are going to continue to get 
progressively better and perfect and there's going to be utopia on this world. That's simply not going to happen. We can work for justice. We can work for peace. But the truth is our hope is not in this world because we put all of our hopes in politics, our own machinations, or the fact that science and technology are going to make things bad. When terrible tragedy strikes, we can despair. We can wonder how are things going to get better. But for the Christian, the hope is not in this world. It's not in the perfection of the culture or society, but it's in the next life. And our true home, heaven, it doesn't mean that we don't care about this world. We do. We've been given the task to provide for it, to have dominion over it, to be caretakers. But our true hope is in heaven. We are pilgrims, homo viator, man and woman on the way. We're only stopping by here on earth. And we're going to have to go through deep valleys, dark times. But we believe that Jesus has gone before. He's persevered. He's risen from the dead. And he is there walking ahead of us, guiding us to the Father's house. We've got to have hope. And our eyes and hearts focused on our ultimate destination, particularly as we walk through times like ours. So my, my prayer is, my plea is, we can't lose hope. We cannot give up and allow despair and isolation, cynicism to set in. Our destiny shows our identity. We're sons and daughters. The greatness that we're called to, the dignity that we have. And so we've got to act in accord with that. We can't act like cowards and allow the fear to, to, to come in, the shame to come in, so we forget who we are. We've got to act with courage and magnanimity, with great hope knowing that Jesus has already won. All we have to do is keep our eyes fixed on him and our desire to be with him and the Father in heaven. That love that awaits us, that never ends. There's no darkness, there's no isolation, but this deep intimacy and in the knowledge of Father, Son, and Spirit, and all of the saints who are there and hope to be there with us in heaven. And so, we've got to press forward, but we've got to give hope to other people. Those who are despairing, those who don't know Christ, those who are feeling isolated and unloved. We need to show them the hope in love that we have because of our belief in the resurrection. It's probably more important now than it's been in a very long time. And so since I have been quoting Pope Benedict, I'm going to end with one quote, which sort of sums it all up. This message of love, the message of hope, the message of home, and our final destination. He says, the love Christian hope approaches in the light of faith is not something truly private and individual. It does not enclose me in a little world of my own. This love opens up to me the whole of everything which through love becomes paradise. The worst anxiety of all is the fear of not being loved, the loss of love. Despair is thus the conviction that one has forfeited all love forever, the horror of complete isolation. Hope in the proper sense of the word 
is thus the reverse, the certainty that I shall receive that great love that is indestructible, that I am already loved with this love here and now. Here and now, in the person, in the heart of Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead. Amen.